Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on ESN. My guest this week is Mike Vardy. He's a writer, a speaker, a podcaster, a productivity strategist. He kind of gets all around the productivity sphere. How's it going, Mike? It's going great. How are you, Brett? I am uh, how about that weather in New York or the East Coast in general? <laughs> well, see, here's the thing. I live on the West Coast of Canada, right? So everyone assumes that it snows here a lot, right? You know, I mean, it's Canada. It must snow. It hardly ever snows here at all. But I grew up near Toronto. So I know what snowstorms are like. And the way that, that I mean, yeah, it, it's crazy. It's hitting those hardcore cities. But, you know, I'm looking at some of the pictures. I'm like, you know, that's that's snow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's and yeah, probably good that not many people are on the roads. But that was something we always dealt with where where I grew up, right? You know, it's like you know, oh, it's snow day. I mean, we would we would uh, you know, if, it, if there was too much snow, you just don't go on the roads. Just it's just smart. <laughs> it's just smart. Now here in Victoria, if we get like three inches of snow on the ground, it was like oh, the whole city shuts down yeah. because we're on an island. First off, so I think there's like two snow plows here. Period. <laughs> And then secondly, people don't know how to drive in it. I mean, one of the things I found when I first moved out here, I went to Whistler and I had a little Dodge Neon and I drove to Whistler for Christmas Day because it was just me by myself. And I'm like, you know, I'll just drive to Whistler. And I, I swear, uh, everyone's like, you're going to drive to Whistler in this Neon? But, you know, it's, there's snow there. And it, I'm like, I just drive slow. Slow and steady wins the race. You know, the whole – I mean, I know how to drive in the snow. And I saw these 4 by 4s that were just gunning it. And they would just, you know, slowly careen to the ditch. And <laughs> that would yeah. be the end of it. Most people here think uh, – and, I mean, I know where you live. I mean, you guys know how to drive in the snow too. But most people here, they, they figure, oh, if I've got a 4 by 4 with all seasons or all weather tires, I'm good. If you don't know how to drive in this weather – don't drive in this weather. Simple as that. My favorite was seeing a uh, like soccer mom type in a great big SUV, thinking she was invincible, mm-hmm. go into the ditch, and then realizing as she like as we tried to help her and gave up, but she was barefoot. She left the house barefoot. Oh God, that was ridiculous. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy because what we're it's, it's I mean, but it is it's I mean, as we're recording this, it's January. Like this is the time of year where snow happens. It's just to hear that it's it's it just seems a bit sensationalized. That's all. But you know, go figure. In today's world, that for everything us, gets sensationalized for, <laughs> for us, us at least. January yeah. isn't January isn't the snow month because January is usually too cold to snow, which is a, a concept yep. unfamiliar to most people. Yep. yep. And, it's, <laughs> and it, and that's the thing. And well, because it's so dry, right? right. Like you're not going to get the same kind of, but where they are, I mean, yeah, there's, there's the water. I mean, we had Lake, the thing, you know what Lake effect snow is. You've probably yes. heard the term. Most people don't know what that means. You know, shallow water. It's very light flow. That's why you had packing snow. That's why here, forget it. Uh, when it snows here, my son's <laughs> like, can we make a snowman? I have to go and get some water from inside and pour it on the snow. Just <laughs> a so blow dryer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> nice. All right. So you... You like I said, you, you your your entire day job and and life is wrapped up in the idea of productivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell yeah. tell me a little bit about your perception from all of your experience in doing speaking and writing books and all of that. What is productivity? Productivity to me is the big thing is for me it's 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 more about the approach than the app. A lot of people what they'll do is they'll grab an app and figure that it'll work for them and do the job, you know. Um, and really, it's about how you approach your work that really determines your productivity. And the other thing that I've found even earlier than that was that most people focused on efficiency first and effectiveness second. But really, it 
it's the other way around. You know, I mean, when it comes to productivity, you want to build that effectiveness first. It's, you know, it's, you don't go to the gym and work out as fast as you can to try to get big. You know, I mean, you'll, you'll pull, you'll, you'll wreck yourself on the way. Like it just won't work. You need to, you know, build yourself up slowly and then get better at those things over time. So I think in a lot of ways, people have it backwards. They, they try to speed things up and speed as much up as possible. But what really productivity boils down to is, is, you know, get, get better at what you really want to get you know, better at, you know, and what you think is going to have the highest value of, of, you know, impact in your work, your life, whatever, and then find ways to, you know, speed up those processes, whether it's, you know, um, getting a tool that will help you do that, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, adjusting your schedule or theme, like I, I'm a big believer in theming your days. So, you know, I mean, if you wake up in the morning and you know that, Monday is an admin day for you, then you generally know that, okay, all the heavy lifting is going to be administrative tasks. Sure, I have other things to do, but when all else fails, I jump back to administration. So, I mean, and theming, I mean, I, I hate using the term life hack, even though I used to be the managing <laughs> editor of a of lifehack.org, but because that term's been bastardized, right? Like it's been just totally, um, you know, co-opted and, and yeah. you know, Mer, and Merlin's talked about this a lot. Um, so, I mean, I think that, that, that to me is the big thing is a lot of people still think that productivity is about getting things done faster and it's not, it's, it's really more about getting things done, getting the right things done more effectively. So better, and then figuring out what you either don't need to do or doesn't need to, or can be somewhat automated or, you know, sped up and make those things happen in a way that allows you to focus more on those, those things that are really going to have the biggest payoff. Right. And I think that as you get good at what you do, you begin to see what is most repetitive and most redundant and things you can automate or trim. Yeah, it builds it builds awareness. Like all this stuff, like the, a lot of people are like, oh, well, this app will tell me what to do or it's all well <laughs> and good. But if you look at the app and the app's got 43 things in it, then you're unless you have some sort of intention and awareness behind it, then it's really not going to help you. So you need to you need to be able to have something in place, whether it's GTD or Kanban or, or Agile or whatever you know methodology you're going to use. And you need to be able to say, okay, that's kind of the backbone of my framework and my system or my approach. And that way, if an app shuts down, which you and I have seen plenty of task management applications and other software, uh, you know, developers shut their software down and then people are like, oh, no, now what do I do? <laughs> like, well, now I can't do my work anymore because the app was the thing. It's not. If you, you want to build something that you can say, oh, well, you know what? This thing either isn't working for me anymore or they're not going to be developing it anymore. I want to shift gears. You can just take it, move it to something else and uh, be you know, right back where you started. You know? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I would be frustrated with any app that I depended on to tell me what to do at any time because I work very much in kind of moods. I think you mm -hmm. call them modes. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's what makes the most sense in the in in it for me it is moods because I don't have a rigid rigid schedule to deal with. Mm -hmm. So it's I feel like I could write right now, so I will write. I feel like I could code, and that's most of the time. Uh, I feel like I could code right now, so I'm gonna code. And um, I don't that doesn't work for everybody, but. Well, I think I think moods are are good for guys like us because again, we are self-directed, right? Like we don't have, you know, I mean, like you said, you know, I mean, I can do this is what I do. Like I can kind of pick and choose. But modes are a bit more um 
clinical. You know, they're a bit more technical. So if you're at like a day job or you're in an office environment and you're like, okay, we're going to go into planning mode right now, or writing mode, it, it sounds more, um, it sounds, it doesn't sound as, um, God, I don't want to say, this is frou-frou, I guess is the best <laughs> way to put it. Like, because if you try to explain to a CEO, hey, you know what, what mood are you in right now? Like, I'm in the mood to, you know, but if you say, okay, what mode are you going to, they, they can wrap their head around that. Yeah. What they can't wrap their head around is, you know, I mean, I've talked about, and I, uh, David Allen's work has is, is been one of the biggest influences in, in, in my work, um, you know, is, is the idea of context. And people still have a really hard time wrapping their head around that, no matter how many different ways you try to explain it. Um, and I mean, the, the thing is, contexts are very subjective, right? You know, like you use moods or, or, or contexts to a, to a point, right? right you know, exactly. uh, same thing with, I mean, energy levels. And I know Sven Fetchner's talked about that over at Simplicity Bliss. You know, I mean, even something as simple as, you know, just the, the basic, you know, errands and all that. People have a hard time thinking in a nonlinear fashion because that's what context kind of, for most people, they say, well, wouldn't I just work on the project? And the project goes from point A to point Z. Uh, um, you know, in, in, in a lot of ways, contexts are hard because they, they force you to change the way you work. So when I've been explaining context, I've consistently tried to say, okay, well, when you go grocery shopping, do you go in and, and, and shop by, uh, you know, day of the week? So do you look at your, you stand at the front of the store and you look at your, 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 uh, your, your meal plan for the week. And if you've even done a meal plan for the week, but let's just assume you have. <laughs> and then Monday you say, okay, well, we're having chicken and broccoli. Okay. I'm going to go to the pool, the meat department, grab the chicken then go to produce and grab the broccoli. Then come back to the center of the store and go, Oh, Tuesday. Oh, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's steak and, and carrots. No, you're that's stupid. You would shop by by in the meat department. Then you would make your way to the produce. That's context. You're shopping by context. Context really, as as David Allen said, they're lists and they are, but they're also categories, right? And and, and if you can, that's been one of my biggest challenges is try to get people to think differently and work through different lenses. And that's why modes seem to be something that I've been able to connect with a lot more with people because they're higher level stuff. You know, grocery shopping isn't exactly a higher level thing, but you're if you're in errand mode. Then you go, okay, I'm on the mo I'm on the go right now. I'm you know, I'm I'm in road mode or whatever you want to call it. Then you know you can do certain things while you're on the road. Or, you know, if you're in, in writing mode, you know, there's certain things that you will be able to do while you're in writing mode. So I think that, that that's been helpful uh, when I've been dealing with a lot of people, whether it's in the workshops I do or even even in the writing, I've kind of started to lean towards that because uh, you know, contexts are they're not really difficult concepts when you spend a lot of time in them, but when you are trying to run a business and get more done, you've got kids and you want to have a better life, all that, all that stuff, you're like, well, why don't I just, I'll just work by project because, you know, projects are easier. And it's, it's not because the only really way you can get closest to multitasking is to work by context, really. I think that the thing that throws a lot of people off is just the flexibility of the idea of context. Like you have yeah. to define your own and that can be and you mess it up once, you know, you like you sit down and you write down your context and it ends up not being appropriate because you took a wild stab at it. And then you get frustrated because yep. uh, what is a context, you know, and I think that the idea of modes does make it clearer for people. And it's it's funny. The one reason that people check email first thing in the morning is because they want to they, they're not ready to decide what to do. So, so they, so they let someone else decide what they, you know, and what, I mean, that's one of the things I've been talking to a lot of the coaching clients. I, I've said, you know, 
don't go look at your email contacts or look at your you look at them you know the idea of working in email mode or whatever and go into email without the question I wonder what email I have go in with the mission of here are the emails I have to deal with and it just changes the way you deal with email but a lot of people it's very Pavlovian they'll wake up in the morning they they won't quite know what to do they're all bleary eyed I mean yeah even if you're a morning person that's going to happen and then you check email. I mean, and some people need to check email uh, early on, and that's fine. But the problem with checking email first thing in the morning, as you know, is that it can take you so far off the path you set for yourself. And and a lot of people actually, until they've got something in place, need that. They feel they need that. They they don't know what to do, so they well, email will tell me what to do, and it normally does, but it normally tells you the wrong thing. Right. Okay. So, at what point in your life did you decide that? productivity, instead of being a productive person in another job, you decided that discussing and teaching productivity was going to be your career. Yeah, this is this is a, a funny story um, because it was involved. It, it involved me working at Costco, which I worked at for, you know, almost 12 years. And when I was working at Costco, I was trying to develop my comedy career as well. And I was trying to figure out how I could balance being a manager at Costco and being a comedian. And uh, I came across, you know, obviously like the work of David Allen and Life Hacker, and I mean, I even looked at stuff like the Tony Robbins was doing and Stephen Covey and all that stuff. And uh, I, uh, I all of a sudden realized as I was doing this that I was actually not learning how to be more productive, but I was just adding another project to my list. <laughs> and so I came to that realization while watching the Colbert Report. I don't know why that all kind of connected. And I said, what if I did to I fell victim to productivity porn, right? That's really what happened. And I said, you know, what if I do to productivity what Colbert does to politics, to the right? And so I created this this character, Mike Vardy, eventual productivity expert, and I created this site called Effing the Dog, um, which eventually be so FTD for short, but eventually became eventualism. And uh, now this is this is rather this was a rather interesting way that it went down. As you know, Stephen Colbert had his Bill O'Reilly, right? You know, that was yep. his, and. Um, I decided that I was going to make somebody my foil as well. Well, somebody that had a big influence on me was Merlin Mann. So I made him my Bill O'Reilly, uh, <laughs> which, which in hindsight was not the wisest course of action <laughs> because I didn't exactly go in and say, hi, Merlin, here's who I am and this is what I'm going to do. I just kind of did what I figured Colbert would have done, which is just do it. Now, the difference between Stephen Colbert and Mike Vardy is Stephen Colbert is a uh, a longtime comedian who's, you know, <laughs> he's got a DFA. I mean, he's been practicing satire for years. And I was a guy who had, you know, had a some decent comedy experience. You know, I'd performed in uh, San Francisco Sketch Fest and a bunch of other places. But I was nowhere near his level. And because I wasn't focusing 100% on satire and parody, I wasn't as good at it, nearly as good at it, anywhere close. And the first time I met Merlin, I was still doing event of Effing the Dog at that point. I think I had started writing for Cult of Mac, and I met him at Macworld. And Brett Kelly, a mutual friend of ours, introduced us. And Merlin said, um, "Oh yeah, I know who you are. Uh, you you know you make fun of me, and I don't know why." As I recall, <laughs> you as, and this is the thing that stuck with me forever. Is he said, "You know, you do that site. You know, as I recall, uh, if I recall, or something like a paraphrase, because you're more frequent than funny." <laughs> and I was like, "Nice to meet you." <laughs> And it was just it, we it was we got off on the wrong foot, obviously, because I just didn't, you know, I I was, uh, you know, it was that idea of hey, this guy really had a big influence on me, and I thought hey, he'll be the by making him the Bill O'Reilly to my Stephen Colbert, 
uh, it would be kind of a, a nice thing to do or a badge on. Didn't work out that way. So eventually, uh, you know, we we and we 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 caught up at that Omni um, the Omni focus setup thing that we did a couple years later, and we were all good now and stuff. But it was still an interesting way to start off my productivity career, especially since after that I started to shift away from doing the parody because, like I said, if you're not going to do it 100, percent then you're not going to be nearly as good at it. So I eventually, you know, started writing for Work Awesome, became their editor. Then I became the managing editor of Lifehack. And during all this process, I'd left Costco, stepped down. I was eventually one of the guys at the front door that just clicked the the greeting. I was a front door greeter. That's what my last job at Costco was. I slowly made my way down. Um, and then eventually just became the thing that I was parodying. I became this productivity, you know, I was an enthusiast, and then I became a, a somewhat of a specialist. And now that I'm starting to think up different ways that people can be more productive and maybe help people a bit more in terms of that, that's where the term strategist comes in, you know. So that's that what that's what kind of got me there. But the the path initially, the first people that I came through, and I mean, I've I've had a chance to meet David Allen now. I met him at at South by Southwest a couple years ago. And it was really gracious, and Jonathan Colton was a big influence because. Uh, when I was ready to leave Costco, I said, you know, I got to talk to somebody who left like a really stable job and did something crazy. Oh, I know. Jonathan Colton did that. And I emailed him and he had said, uh, I said, I want to pursue comedy and do all this stuff. What should I do? And he emailed me back. This is when he still could email people back. And he said, quit your job. P.S. Don't tell your wife I told you to quit your job. <laughs> and so that that led me to this path. And And it, you know, I mean... I think that I wrote a post, uh, you know, last uh, uh, basically as we recorded this, it went up live on on Monday, so late January, and it's called "Why I'm Passionate About Personal Productivity," and it really boils down to, you know, I think it's a big key. The personal component is huge, but it's a huge key to just being able to do more than just like get better at work and have them, you know, get through work, because that's what a lot of people kind of think too. It's like if I can be more productive at work, then I can do more of the things I want. But when you start to, you know, kind of spend more time understanding yourself and, and spending more time, you know, with these kind of frameworks and, and building the habits you need to build a better life or whatever um, you want to do. Um, productivity plays a huge role and especially the personal component because everyone's going to treat productivity a little bit differently. Hence why people freak out about context, like you said, because, you know, they're, they're too subjective and can freak people out. So, yeah, that was, I mean, my journey was uh, an interesting one. But, man, you know, I get to be at home with my kids uh, I get to go and speak and travel. I got to speak in New York and a couple, well, gosh, it was late last year. I got to do a creative live. Um, you know, I got to, I get to, got to hang out with you in Macworld, uh, a couple of occasions. I got to see you uh, last year when I came out to do a talk, uh, in Minneapolis. So, I mean, <laughs> burgers I, in the cold, yeah, burgers in the cold, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, it's just, you know, I, I, I think that, 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 I don't. I can't imagine doing anything else. And I was a guy who wanted to do comedy. That was what I wanted to do. And now I just take those that skill set that was there and apply it to productivity in a way that hopefully doesn't just you know um, in in you know inform, but it engages and entertains all at the same time. All right. That was a that was a detailed story. You've thought about this before. You know what? I've always wanted to kind of share the Merlin story a bit. <laughs> But I wanted to share it on the right show because I know you, Merlin, are, you know you, Merlin, are good friends. And I read the post, uh, you know, when you um, it was a post you just did recently about meeting Merlin, right? When yeah. Merlin was on the show, right? Right. Um, and yeah, it, I feel like like he's just he's so smart and just he gets it, and he's got a way to connect with people that I've it's 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 really um, a, a gift. You know what I mean? It is. And, it's a rare thing. And, and I I've wanted to share that story like. 
you know, not just among friends, which I, and I think I've told you this story before, um, but I told you privately. So, um, but I've really wanted to share the story because yeah, I mean, he was a big influence, you know, in getting me, you know, like I followed his work at 43 folders and I was like, you know, this guy, he just, he's able to resonate with me. Like I, I, I get it because of him more so than even with David Allen. Like he was the guy that kind of was the gateway to David Allen for me. So yeah, I mean, I've wanted to share that story because it was just, to me, it was just so Merlin the way that he met me. It was just so, but yeah, it was, I, you know, I mean, he's, uh, like I said, he's one of my bigger influences in, in this space and, and I, I owe a lot to him. PDF Pen 7 is the ultimate all-purpose PDF editor. And now Smile has not one, not two, not five, not even seven, but 10 great screencasts from the amazing Mr. David Sparks or Max Sparky, if you know him that way. Um, the videos are all two to four minutes each, and they show you how to use PDF Pen to mark up a PDF, add a signature to a PDF, fill in a form style PDF, touch up images in PDFs, OCR your PDFs to convert them into usable text, and he'll even show you how to correct and redact text. If you're nice, he'll show you how to sync PDFs with iCloud and Dropbox and get them into PDF Pen for iPad and iPhone. There are videos that show off new features too, as well as features specific to PDF Pen Pro. Where does Max Sparky get all these wonderful toys? Head over to smilesoftware.com systematic. You can watch the videos and get PDF Pen today. Thanks again to Smile for supporting Systematic. Go to smilesoftware.com systematic and check them out. Now back to the show. Well, are you ready for the top three picks? I am. I am ready. Well, generally the guest goes first. If you're prepared, uh, I will let you start with your first top pick. All right. My, one of my top picks, this is going to sound a bit uh, odd, especially on a podcast where, you know, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are into the coffee, right? Well, I've started to spend more time with tea. Um, and because I'm trying to get in better shape, I don't do New Year's resolutions, but um I want to, we're going to Mexico in March and I have a four-year-old son. So my goal to get in better shape is so I can keep up with my son 10 years from now because <laughs> I was starting to gain, you know, double chin and, you know, so I, I wanted to cut a lot of stuff out of my diet and caffeine was one of them. I wanted to kind of get a better grip on caffeine and I've tried this new tea called Cognitea and it's a C-O-G-N-I-T-E-A and it's, it's a really, uh, it's, it's got the caffeine that, you know, I, I still need because uh, I'm a night owl, I'm not a morning person. Uh, and I just really like it. It's replaced my soda stream in terms of the go-to drink that I have. It's, you know, I don't have caffeinated coffee in the morning anymore. I have decaf. It's just a really nice um, cup of tea that isn't bitter and it, ge- it gives you its minty flavor or whatever and it just gives you a nice jolt. It's been one of my tools, I guess, that I've been able to use over the past few months to kind of keep me going when um and i avoid that whole crash and burn kind of thing that caffeine and or soda can give you so that's so one of my that's one of my things yeah is cognity not caffeinated it is caffeinated but okay. you know how tea works right is a I tea do. the caffeine is drawn out a little bit slow or like yeah. it's drawn out so i've never been a huge tea fan but the again these guys their angle was really interesting in that they you know kind of said hey this is going to help you with clarity and focus i'm like okay well this marketing trick has worked with me so let me take a look at it and it's just you know i mean i just find it, it's a nice cup of tea and it gives me the the energy and the clarity and focus that i need to keep pushing through especially when Again, when you're running your own thing, you don't have anybody else, you know, hitting you with, a, you know, prodding at you going, hey, get going, get going. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely been a, a valuable thing for me. Cool. Uh, CNN Money recently did a piece on nootropics in uh, Silicon Valley. And uh, it, it's intriguing to me. I used to be 
into trying uh, kind of the like, herbal. Like, like bulletproof. They did bulletproof coffee and stuff recently too, didn't they? They talked about that as well. I missed but, that one. In fact, yeah. I just discovered CNN Money's tech videos. Uh, mm. Like I think it was yesterday. I went down a rabbit <laughs> hole after seeing that Nootropics one. Um, they have some really good, really good stuff, really good production. Mm. But um, but yeah, I uh, I'm always curious about uh, like ginkgo biloba and and ginseng and things like that. And I've I've been really into tea for a while. I kind of I drink one cup of coffee a day. Yeah, and then sometimes supplement with tea. I, I I approach tea the same way I approach coffee, and that is to say, I went looking for the best teas I could find, like sourced mm-hmm. straight from China and yep. um with you know that came in like small bags air sealed um yeah i kind of went nuts with it for a little while but well my wife's an acupuncturist so we've always been kind of into into tcm and stuff like that so when you know she and she's more than happy to say oh you're not going to drink as much coffee because she just drinks decaf so that's i have one cup of decaf in the morning i have normally like a a good healthy breakfast and a nutribullet shake as my you know my morning snack but tea is and i drink a lot more water now as a result too yeah that's that's always a good thing all right, so my first pick is actually something I've been having a lot of fun with. Uh, Comic Life 3 on iOS. is uh, it, it lets you just take photos and turn them into kind of comic books, and it does all kinds of, like, hatching effects and co- uh, posterizing, and then you add your captions, and you come out with a comic strip or even a full comic book. And it's perfect for me because I'm constantly um, ascribing voices to my animals, and making them say what I think they should say. And this gives me a way to uh, visually share exactly how I think my animals think uh, as I anthropomorphize them. It's uh, it's an anthropomorphization tool for my animals. Interesting. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's a really well-made app. That's awesome. That's awesome. And it, 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 they, now they've been making that app for a while. Yeah, though, right? like you, you can get it on Mac and... Uh, yeah, Mac, iPad, and iPhone right now. But yeah, I've been using it on my Mac for years. Uh, having it on my phone is just so nice because the camera's connected, and you know I can shoot it. I can shoot a frame, mm-hmm. uh, edit it, and then shoot the next one like right there without having to download photos or anything. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So, what's your second pick? Uh, my second one is a, is a is a web based service, but they obviously offer you know uh, an iOS. They've got iOS and Android versions as well. It's called Blinkist. I don't know if you've heard of it, but remember you remember you used to be able to go to like an HMV or something like that, and if you wanted to listen to like an entire album, they had them mounted to the wall with headphones. So it, you yeah. know if you'd only heard the single before, you're like, well, what's the rest of the album like? <laughs> so I know if I want to buy the album. And you have people like huddle around these pillars, you know, yeah. headphones around. Well, Blinkist is basically kind of like that for books. Uh, business books pr- primarily. So what it is is they give you Cliff's Notes versions of blo- of uh, popular business books, and they do them in audio format now as well. That's a new feature in Blinkist three, I think, is what they're calling the new Blinkist. They call them Blinks instead of you know Cliff's Notes versions, but basically what they do is they take the most you know kind of the 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 crux of the book, and really they do a great job of distilling it down to its finer points. So you know how a lot of business books are. Uh, Anecdote, 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 really important point. Anecdote, 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 really important point. Well, they they remove a lot of the anecdotal stuff so that you get to the really important points. But they do it in a way that's really well structured. And it's it's a pay I think it's is it is it five I think it's five bucks a month or something like that or I can't remember the exact uh, pricing um, because I've been using it for so long I just let the thing automatically renew. Sure. Yeah. Um but it's really cool because 
Um, like if I'm sitting on the bike or whatever, rather than listen to like I've got an Audible subscription or podcast or whatever. If I want to, if I want to, you know, read a book, I can either read it on my iPad, and th- these blinks are normally like anywhere between 13 and 22 minutes, or the audio versions last a- about the same. So I can actually read a book <laughs> in that short period of time, and I use it kind of like the preview of, hey, you know what? The hard thing about hard things. I really like the distilled version of it. I'm going to go out and buy this book now. You sure. know, because, so I really like what it offers. It's available. You can read it on the web. I generally use it on my on my iPad Mini, or or if I'm if I'm wanting to listen to an audiobook, I'll use it on my iPhone six. But but yeah, it's a really cool service. So uh, if you're trying to read more or get figure out if some of the business books are right for you that are out there, and David Allen's Getting Things Done is one of those the ones that are in there. Uh, and I think his is audio as well. Uh, Blinkist, so B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Awesome. All right. Well, I have a few choices from my next one, but I think I'm actually going to go with the movie Gone Girl, mm. which uh, I, I, I procrastinated on watching for quite a while uh, until my co-host on Overtired, Christina Warren, uh, told me repeatedly that it was really good. So I gave it a chance, and uh, despite not loving Ben Affleck, in general, uh, once I was able to admit to myself that he'd done some amazing work, I uh, I gave it a shot and I was really really happy with it. Mm. I, it made me it made me happy. It's not a happy movie. But, no, uh, I've heard. My wife saw it. And she's like, you, you know, you want to watch this. I'm like, I've heard disturbing things about this. It, show. It, it's disturbing. It shakes your faith in humanity, from what I understand. I I always appreciate that in a movie, and I like a movie that doesn't end by wrapping everything up in a neat bow. And it doesn't. It it left me like whenever whenever a movie ends by cutting to a black screen before answering like some of the big questions, I like I always cheer. I I mm. squeal and clap and um. Because I love that kind of ending, and it has that kind of ending. Without giving anything away, I would say that the ending is worth watching the movie. Cool, yeah. No, I got it. It's on uh, on demand here now, so I'll probably pick it up at some point. I know my wife wants to watch it again, so, but I don't know if it's a movie I want to watch with my wife. <laughs> it, it's. I watched it with my wife, but yeah, but my wife and I are weird in that regard. <laughs> We, my wife and I normally were watching just the superhero shows, you know, Flash, Arrow, all that, that stuff. That's that's our that's did our. Did it uh, annoy you when the Flash started showing up in Arrow and vice versa? It a little bit because my wife. See, the thing is, my wife likes Arrow more than the Flash because yeah, there's me no because su- there's no superpowers. Right. Uh, I don't really. My wife loves the island story, like the backstory of the Arrow. Could care less about what's going on now. <laughs> doesn't like doesn't like. She calls refuses to call Roy Arsenal. She's like it's Roy. I'm like it's Arsenal. <laughs> no, it's Roy. I hate the name Arsenal. I'm like All right, whatever. But yeah. uh, no, we only have a few shows that we watch together. So we normally watch movies together. So I'll definitely definitely check that out. All right. So last pick. My last pick is a book. Um, and I listened to it on Audible, but, uh, I'm tempted to go pick it up and, and get the text version as well. Uh, John Scalzi's Lock In. It's a really cool, John Scalzi wrote the book Red Shirts, which is basically, uh, it's, I think they're making it into an HBO series or a mini series or something. And what Red Shirts was, was basically, um, it, it was like a take on Star Trek. It was right. really funny the sci-fi. Expendable characters. Yeah. 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 Uh, in this one, um, he uh, this one was read by Will Wheaton too, which made it really nice. entertaining. The, the, the lock-in was, and what it is is basically it's a f- uh, future society where there's a disease that happens, and they uh, what happens is uh, when people catch this disease, 
uh, they eventually get to a state where they can no longer, they just are basically body dead. Their brains are functioning fully, but they're trapped inside their bodies as vessels. So they get these, and it's called lock-in when they get to that point. And so they get um, basically like androids, for lack of a better term, or robots that they are actually able to, you know, trans, you know, transmit their brains into. And it's a real, it's like a, it's an interesting story because it talks about, you know, different social classes as to who can afford what certain types of androids. Uh, it's also like a, there's a it's a mystery as well. Um, it's really interesting the way it's told because, um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, science fiction and, and, and tech stuff in there. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Um, it's kind of like, you know, did you ever read The Martian by Andy Weir? No. Oh, another great book. I listened to that on Audible as well. But like I, 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 it took me a long time to get back into reading fiction. I'm very, very much a nonfiction reader. But with The Martian and then this book and Red Shirts, like those books have got me back into reading fiction. I try to read at least one fiction book a month at minimum. I'm trying to get more. But this one's just really great. So if you have an Audible subscription, um, get Lock In uh, by John Scalzi or just get, get it off Amazon. It's a really entertaining read. And it's brisk too. It's not a... It's not a heavy read, so you're not going to feel like, when is this book going to end? Um, it's actually quite brisk, so I, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. So it's called Lock In. I, uh, I will have to try that. I've been trying to get back into fiction for a long time now. Um, so that Audible might be the solution for me. It, to... it, it, it was for me. The Martian was read by, I can't remember, I want to say PJ, some, I can't remember his name. It was the most amazingly read audio audiobook ever that I've ever come across. Um, and The Martian is, I mean, I know I'll, I, that would be another great pick because uh, Andy, that book is just phenomenal. Um, you know, I mean, basically a guy gets left behind on Mars uh, <laughs> on a mission. They think he's dead and they leave him behind. And they can't get back to get him for X number of years. So he has to try to survive. Nice. It's really well done. And, and just Audible could be the key because, I mean, for me, that was the big one. Like my, I was able my to, gateway. It could be your gateway. The other one, then when I was at South by last year, I'd already read The Martian and I picked up Ready Player One, which I don't know if you've read, but that's another good one. Uh, Ernest Klein. And I actually picked up, it was the only, <laughs> it was the only fiction book at the South by Southwest uh, bookstore. <laughs> And I'm like, well, all these other ones are nonfiction. But look, I've been meaning to read this. So I picked it up and I actually sat in the, an Austin Convention Center. Basically, there's like a little alcove. And I sat there for 40 minutes and just poured through this book, like poured through the first, I'd say, third of the book. Nice. It was, yeah. And it's, it's so, I mean, there's a lot of great books out there. Once you start to get back into fiction, you'll find that, that you know, and especially it, like for me at the end of the day, I need something like that. Like, I don't want to think about, you know, context and projects and, and, and business and all that. I'd rather, you know, think about how androids are, are you know, trying to solve mysteries. There you go. <laughs> I actually dreamt an entire murder mystery that I should write down. Like last night, I was having a gotta, restless you, night of sleep. You got to You got to capture that, man. Get that out here. You never know. You could be like, it could be a great uh, radio drama or, 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 or a short story. Totally. That was weird. All right. So my last pick is... Kind of a big one. Uh, people have been asking me for years. I run the uh, iText editor spreadsheet kind of thing uh, that compares on a chart all of the text editors available for iOS. And people have always asked me what my favorite was. And for a long time, I would just say Notesy. But Notesy hasn't been updated forever. And uh, so I started recently going back through all the available options. And I came to a conclusion. And that is an app called OneWriter. 
Mm. It had some close competition, but one writer is fully Markdown compatible with Markdown highlighting as you edit. And uh, it can do, you can have notes default to preview mode, which is like rendered Markdown or edit mode. And it has great uh, editing features, including automatic list continuation and things like that, that I find extremely useful. And most importantly, it has wonderful full text title and body search of your notes with fuzzy matching. So you don't have to type, type the words in exact order or anything. It works like NVLT does. It's basically the, the best companion I've found to NVLT with really fast loading. I have thousands of notes in my Dropbox folder and it works with my Dropbox folder, any Dropbox folder and loads all my notes and I can search them just as fast as I can on NVLT. And that was, uh, that was the final sale for me. I love it. And how many do you have in there now in the, in the iText editors? 70 uh, some. Wow. So that's some stiff. I mean, that's, that's to rise to the, the top of that. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. It, it is, and uh, and I've I've hesitated for a long time to make any kind of public judgment, but I'm I am happy enough with one writer to say it is, it's my solution. There are some others that I think are close and that I would love to see developed further, but right now, if I were going to pick one, that would be it. Cool. I haven't checked it out yet, so I have to check it out. I recommend it. Don't 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 spend money on anything else yet. Uh, thanks for being here, Mike. Thanks for having me, Brett. I really appreciate it. And we will talk to everybody in a week. Oh, I should tell people where you, you can be found. Uh, productivityist dot com. Yep. And the which, word pro, the word productivity, and then ist at the end of it. Easy enough. <laughs> and uh, and let's see. You have a Twitter handle, but I forget what it is. It's just my name, Mike Vardy. All one word, no underscores. All one word, no underscores. All right. Anywhere else you would like to mention? Uh, I have a podcast as well, uh, which you uh, will uh, actually, depending on when this airs, I think yours is coming in late February. So uh, it's called the Productivityist Podcast, go figure. And you can find it at, um, the best way to find it is just go to uh, simplecast.fm, productivityist.simplecast.fm, that's where it is. So, Or just go to iTunes and type in Mike Vardy and it'll be there too. So Perfect. All right. And, uh, and you, have, you have multiple books that people can find where? Uh, they can find them on Amazon uh, or also, I mean, if you go to productivityist.com, pretty much everything's there. The coaching, all that stuff, everything that I do is pretty much there. So, uh, Or just Google Mike Vardy. I'm now ahead of the British director uh, in terms of Google search. I, I think I've pushed him to the second page now, so that makes me feel good. Awesome. <laughs> all right. And I am Brett Terpstra. I'm TT Scoff everywhere and at brettterpstra.com. And uh, that's, uh, that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. <laughs>